Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH streaming on all those smart speakers like Amazon Echo and Google Home. Seattle residents are saying to the city, this is getting out of control. And that is what's trending on this hour brought to you by American Water Damage Restoration. What's trending? The homelessness crisis. An encampment has terrorized a Beacon Hill neighborhood in Seattle for months and months and months. And finally, it's getting scheduled for a sweep. It only took a murder. Well, it took a murder and then spending a lot of time not doing anything. And then finally, for whatever reason, they decided to step up and actually do something. A neighbor spoke to Como. It's um, not unusual at all to hear gunshots, both during the day and night. Do you feel safe here? No. No, none of us do. None of us feel safe here. Think about that for a second. None of us feel safe in our own neighborhood. I don't know how long this particular person lived there. No clue. But I'm willing to bet you've got some people who have seen how it's changed over the last several years and they saw the writing on the wall at first maybe something just didn't feel right they were seeing maybe a little bit more trash a little bit more graffiti and then before you know it there was one and then two and then 30 homeless people living in an encampment at some point you step back and say um we deserve better than this but unfortunately they live in a city that says uh no you don't you're gonna deal with the crisis until we decide we're going to step up and clean it up. We don't work for you. I mean, technically we do, but we don't act like it. So shut up. And it gets to the point where folks have to reach out to the media, and then the media has to tell these stories, and the media ends up getting pressure to be placed on councils and mayor's offices throughout the... It's just over and over and over again. Because, And I say, it's not just Seattle. This is happening all over the place. How many times have you felt in your own neighborhood? It's just, this is not what I signed up for. I wanted to leave where I lived before, and now I find myself dealing with a thing I was trying to escape. And it's never-ending. These stories are every single day. I'm getting tired of them. But it's important to highlight. It's important to highlight because if you ignore these stories... People will stop thinking about them, except for the individual who's experiencing it. But right now, there's someone who's listening who says, oh, wow, Beacon Hill, they're dealing with this in Seattle the same way I'm dealing with it in my neighborhood in Puyallup or Olympia or Bellingham, Ferndale. It just goes on and on and on again some more. And I don't know what it's going to take for the city of Seattle to step up and do something. Honestly, I don't know. Because we've said this over and over again. It used to be just be, hey, you know, if there was a murder, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll we'll clean it up. Not anymore. It takes more than a murder to clean up these encampments. And let's be clear about something. This particular encampment was there because the city wanted it to be there. How do I know? Because they brought in a hygiene station. They brought in a hygiene station for the individuals who were living there, which only encouraged more people to show up. And as is always the case, eventually it got violent, leaving a man shot and killed. Millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars supposedly have been spent on the homelessness issue. And it is frankly worse than it ever has been. 
It's worse than it ever has been. Despite the fact that we are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars, it seems to be getting worse. Odd how that happens, right? We're spending all of this money. We're told we have a, a, a new regional authority on homelessness that isn't really the authority on anything except for how to waste money. And as we said in the past, people have to experience it personally or know someone who experiences one of the crises personally. And then finally, they start to speak up. But it's so slow. It's such a slow process because folks will put up with a lot, especially in Seattle, Tacoma. Folks just put up with a lot. And I don't know, maybe it's maybe there's just a lot of low self-esteem. Like you don't feel like you're worth more. Like maybe I deserve this because I'm white and I've got that white privilege and BLM hashtag. Maybe that could that be it? Why why is it what what takes so long for people to step up and say this homelessness crisis, this drug crisis, this crime crisis, this insert whatever you want crisis is just too much we deserve better. I I don't know why it takes people so maybe maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the issue. Maybe I have such a low bar that I'm willing to accept. I'm the one who's wrong. Maybe I should just raise my bar instead of being upset with a murder or a drug overdose in my community, I should say, well, you know what? At least it wasn't a mass murder and it wasn't this mass poisoning. When we get to that point, that's when I'll step in. Now, a letter just went out to the folks who live here saying that there's going to be a sweep in the coming days. Generally, that means one to two-ish days. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up doing this tomorrow morning because the city had already put up all their Flyers saying, hey, we're going to sweep, get your belongings. If it's still here, we're going to tow your car. We're going to throw away the trash that you're pretending is your worldly possessions. Marina lives nearby, also speaking with Como TV. And she, like so many others in this neighborhood, just totally jaded. I have faith that they will come through and they will sweep it the way that they have done so many other situations. I have no faith that there is any solution currently to this problem. Weird. We've been dealing with this crisis for a long time. I'm still kind of waiting on the plan from the mayor. Or is he going to tell us yet again, oh, we're working, my administration, we're hard at work working on a plan that we plan to give to you at some point. That's the plan. You can plan on it. You mean bet on it? No, I wanted to say plan again. That's that's the truth. How many more times do we have to do this? Over and over and over again. Push the button. What's trending? In Seattle. Now, it looks like the Seattle City Council wants to change the elections so that not all seven of the council districts are up at once. We have seven council districts, then we have two at large. And as it is now, the at large are separate from the districts. But they're saying that doesn't really make any sense. And the argument that they are offering does make sense to me. There is value in institutionalized knowledge that when you get rid of, let's just live in a world, fantasy land, that seven of the people who would be up for office, they're all gone. All the incumbents lose. It's a brand new council, at least for those seven seats. That could create some chaos because no one knows where the bathrooms are. 
No one knows where their little cafeteria is, let alone what they're supposed to do to set up meetings and deal with staff. It just creates high turnover. And I sympathize with that argument, and I would be down with that argument possibly in any other city. But when talking about Seattle, you have all but two members on this council that deserve to be there. Only two deserve to be there. The next council should debate this issue and then give it to the voters to decide, not the current one. The problem I have with the institutional knowledge argument in this city is that it could let a veteran council member act in bad faith to game the system so that they can have more power than these new members who don't know what it is that's going on. You know, as the veteran council member, where the good bathroom is if you want to go number two. You can't do that in the main bathroom where everybody's congregating around because everyone's going to know and then judge you. And you're telling no one where that good bathroom is. All the new people. I don't want that person to be in charge. I hope you realize this that was a metaphor. For what? Oh, my God. For you, pooping. You weren't it act- was just for pooping. Okay. I was like, where is the metaphor? I, I, I think we're actually just dealing with... Here's the metaphor. What you don't want to have happen is the veteran bad guy who we just elected a whole bunch of newbies because we didn't like the bad stuff that the veterans were doing. I don't want that person in charge because they're going to be able to take in charge due to that institutional knowledge. We're all the newbies who, again, we're putting in place because we can't stand all the veterans. Well, they come in at a disadvantage because they don't know where anything is. They don't know how anything operates. And they're unlikely to have staff that know anything either. There's a learning curve. And it's I'm presuming it's pretty significant when we're talking about a council the size of the Seattle Council or a city the size of Seattle. So I, I don't want institutional knowledge if it's going to be used against the newbies. Now, eventually this will come for a vote. I'm assuming there's a I think the committee hearing was either I think it might be going on right now. I imagine they're all going to say yes, and then they're going to put this on the ballot, and then we get to vote on it, and then the voters will, of course, make the wrong decision because that's what they always do because it is Seattle, which is why I want to leave Seattle and go to Marysville. Only in the story sense. Click the button. What's trending? Foodie edition. Actually, was it Marysville or Muckleteo? No, it was Marysville. Well, okay. I was good. Now, yeah. you, had a, you, had a, you had a good transition. You yeah. Be confident. You know, well, every, every so often I get the M cities wrong. I oftentimes get Muckleteo and and I never get Monroe wrong, by the way. It's always Marysville and Muckleteo. And then I'm like, is it Joe Marine or is it Jim Neary? And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I know what we're talking about. So I, at first I saw this story from Jesse Jones on Cairo 7 TV. And I was like, I don't know why he's the one on this particular story. This doesn't seem like the kind of story he would take on. A woman who took a wonderful bite into her Winco chicken salad. She put it on a cracker, and then bam, she ended up breaking a tooth. There was a bone in it, and then it hit me. The reason why this is a Jesse Jones story is they probably don't want to pay up. So I took a bite. It was good. Took a second bite, hit the bone, broke the molar. But, I mean, was it good? Was the second bite good? I mean, up until a point, you still taste it, right? uh, Any bite of chicken salad that good? Chicken salad's good. Yeah. I mean, if you get good quality chicken, I guess. And don't get too saucy 
or mayonnaise, whatever it is. Don't put too much. You got to lighten up a little bit. So now that woman, her name is Christy. God bless her. She had to spend $1,500 to fix that tooth. And she said she contacted the store. She gave them everything that she thought they would need, any of the documentation. Here's my receipt. Here's a photo of the bone that I found in your chicken salad, allegedly. Here's the bill from my dentist. And I didn't do anything else. I just got the tooth fixed. I didn't throw in anything else like a cleaning or a whitening. None of that. And they got it and they were like, cool. Thank you for being so thorough. Yeah, we're not doing anything with this. We're putting it in the trash. We're, we're not giving you any money. They said, we're not liable. There's no negligence here, not on our part. I think to them, it's a small thing. They know that I can't fight for that amount. I'm not going to go to a lawyer and get a lawyer and spend thousands of dollars to recoup 1500 So they know that if they tell you no, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, you could have gone to small claims court, I guess. And just make a note for Jesse Jones. Tell him. It's not necessary to insert cars driving by in an interview that has nothing to do with cars or the road. It's if I heard like chickens in the back, okay, I'll go with that, I guess. It's a little morbid, I suppose, but I'll go with that one. But I don't need to have cars in the background. Now, it turns out Winco is not liable for this. That, at least according to our food safety lawyer, Bill Marler, who is all over the place. If there is a shake that has listeria or chicken salad that has a bone, he will be there. He spoke to Cairo as well. And the courts have, you know, kind of fudged around the edges that say if it's a natural occurring part of the chicken and it causes harm, it's, it's expected. So you can sue the chicken. The chicken is at fault, but not Winco for allegedly improperly removing the bone because it is a natural part of the chicken. So go ahead and sue the chicken if you want. I'll be honest, you're not going to collect that much. What could you think you're going to get at this point? You're going to, first of all, you're going to have to go after the family. And that's if you can identify which particular chicken was the one that was slaughtered and then cut up into little cubes and then put into the Winco chicken salad. That's not going to be easy. And if anything... There's going to be like multiple generations of different birds in it, right? So you're going to have to do like a, a, a te- DNA test and you're going to have to try to track it down. And God forbid you end up getting a chicken that's not even local. Could be international. Then you got to get the international. Maybe you're going to get the Hague involved at some point. But I mean, it just feels like it might not be worth it. Yeah, it sounds uh, rather tedious. A little much. A little much. Now, Marler does say the store should just pay for the tooth. Legally? They probably have some ground to stand on. Ethically, morally, they ought to just fix the poor ladies, too. I completely agree with him. I think he's right here. This is assuming Winco is responsible. Obviously, I don't know. But if this happened at their store, they should do the right thing. It's $1,500. That's why you have insurance. Or maybe insurance doesn't cover this because there's no liability technically. Okay, then spit up the the $1,500. Because now I cannot think about putting any kind of chicken salad in my mouth without the feeling of chewing on a bone. I don't – I can't recall any time something similar has happened. I've definitely had like chewed on a bone by accident, I guess, if I'm like eating – 
something with a bone in it that that but that's not potentially what's what are the little rib thingies the bo- the little chinese spare rib thingy not the spare rib the other one whatever that thing is called i've had that before and it's impossible why are you giving me that look? I don't know what you're talking about. So you know what a spare rib is? Yes. Okay, not that. The other okay. one. Okay. Wow, that's so helpful. I had a fish bone that I ate the other day. but, that's- fish, but Okay, this is actually a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up. The first good point you've had, how long have you been here? A little over a year. In a little over a year. Here's the tr- <laughs> So mean. Um, you eat salmon, whatever. And every once in a while, you'll find a bone in there, including when they sell it to you and they say, we took out all the bones. Do you ever, ever, ever think, well, I'm going to sue them for that? Even if something happened, I I feel like I wouldn't go there. And yet with this case, I do go there because there's more of an expectation that you're going to have bone in the salmon or whatever fish it is versus the chicken. Because you know going in that there's a threat of having a bone or two in the actual in salmon. The salmon yeah. But you don't go into the chicken salad with the threat of, of a bone. Because you would say, how could you screw that up? How did you make that mistake? Well, and it's because the lady broke her tooth. I mean, you're not going to break your tooth on a salmon bone. Maybe. Maybe. In theory. But I, I, would, I would argue that I would still, even if she didn't break a tooth and there was some sort of damage... You would at least say, I want my money back, but you wouldn't do that with salmon. No. So that You know what that is? It's like some sort of ism. I don't know what it is. Amphibiaism? Or no, that chickenism. No. Amphibia? <laughs> eating frog legs? A fish. Amphibia? Amph- I mean, but amphibiaism. That was the uh, okay, best one okay. that I could come up all with. Right, what do you want me right. to do? I was trying to get everything in the ocean, man. God. You okay over there? I'm doing great. Well, I'm a little stuffy, so let's get to the next story. What's trending? Wait, what? So apparently there's a study from the FDA, or at least a study that got to the FDA, that led them to unanimously say (laughs) it's not effective to take Sudafed, Dayquil, all the garbage you find on the shelves meant to decongest when you're sick or when you know whenever sometimes you're not sick when you need uh to take some of these pills sometimes you just got a stuffy nose they said according to Dr. Mark Dykowicz an allergy specialist at the St. Louis University School of Medicine modern studies when well conducted are not showing any improvements in congestion with phenylephrin phenylephrin that thing that's in all of those drugs and there is something funny about this story. I will get congested from time to time, usually at night. That's when I get like a stuffy nose or something. And I have most definitely taken some of these medications, usually in pill form, not the liquid form, because ill. And I never thought it worked. I never felt any kind, even modest relief for me. The only time I would ever get any relief is when you take like Afrin or one of the the sprays up the nose, which you shouldn't do because apparently it causes you to – ironically, it makes the problem worse in the long term, and then you have to use it every single night. But then after I was like, 
after I read the story, I was like, oh, you know what? You know, I believe this study. Then my friend, Marty McCary, he's a doctor from John Hopkins School of Medicine. He was on Fox Business and he said, eh, this study is not the best. I looked at the study and I would say it was a, not, not a convincing study. It wasn't a definitive study. And if you talk to patients, they do have some very short-term transient relief of symptoms. And that's the purpose of, of some of these medications. We're not going to ever cure uh, some of the common cold viruses that circulate. It's just it's an elusive target. Uh, we've never had great treatment for the common cold viruses. And so these medications can provide some relief. We've always known that. If you look at the study that they're pointing to, to take it off the market, it's not a great study. And it simply says that in that study, they did not find a conclusive connection. Now, I trust Dr. McCary. I trust him. But I also have personal experience suggesting it doesn't work when I take Sudafed and all the other ones. So I don't know what I'm, I feel like it's a wash though. Maybe it's just in my head. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it doesn't work for me. I think it's just you. I've, yeah, my congestion I've, could be like so, because I have a bigger brain and whatnot. So there's a little bit more, less space. So there's less room for the sinuses. Yeah. So maybe yeah, they're pushing the sense. sinuses close. That's possible. 1-800-465-877 if you want to send me a text on our Facebook page and Twitter page. We have our latest video update brought to you by your local tax expert and advocate, Greg Nunn, and Nunn Better Tax Resolution. This time we take you through the clear data, clear data saying that, no, we don't like drug legalization in the Pacific Northwest. The question becomes, will politicians listen? I don't know. We're going to get into that over on our social media channels. Don't forget our friend and local tax expert, Greg Nunn. He is growing and he's looking for tax specialists. If you're passionate about fighting for taxpayers and you're interested in a job, give Greg Nunn a call at 425-947-1967. Welcome back to the Jason Rand Show. I have to be up front. I am completely annoyed and I'm getting kind of pissed off. With the coverage of this Seattle police officer story we broke last Monday or last Tuesday. And because I broke the story, I was the first one to do it. It means I really took my time to dive into it because I knew I had some time to cover it. And so I know what the story is. I know the intricacies and nuances of the story. And I know some just basic facts that have been completely left out. Of media coverage locally and in some cases nationally, you have the media going into overdrive to get this cop, Dan Otterer. And it is disgusting what they're doing. And it's way too far. I know that the media and activists and politicians love a story they can attack a police officer on. I, I get it, man. I've been doing this for a while. I've been seeing what you've been doing for a while. This weird bloodlust you have. But my God, how shameless can some of you be? Now, this was an officer who had his body camera on by accident, and he was mocking lawyers who would devalue the life of a victim in an accident. He was part of the investigation, not of the... Death of this poor 23-year-old woman, that was an accident, but of the officer who was driving. 
But the local media, and again, some national and international ones, they are not giving you the context of the joke that was made or the conversation that was happening. All they're doing is saying that this was an officer who was mocking the death of a victim as if there's no context whatsoever. Now, perhaps they don't think the context matters. Okay, that is your right. You should still provide it because not all of us want to jump to the conclusion that cops are ACAB. That's not our our role. I, I know that there's you know a large group in Seattle that loves that. They've been dying for this. They've been waiting so long. Five o'clock today, they're going to have a, a protest against this officer. And by the way, they have a protest also, not just against this officer, but they're saying, we demand that the officer who was driving the car We demand that he be charged. Where were you for the last nine months? Why is it all of a sudden you care about this? You you pretend that you're so passionate. We're doing this for the victim whose name I can't pronounce or spell and haven't even thought about in nine months. Because this all went down in January. I think it was January 23rd. And we've got some in the media who are amplifying really bad faith positions. Shameless activists, one politician in particular doing this, trying to turn this into a race issue, a race and ethnicity issue, because it just so happens that the victim was Indian. No one, no one, no one will tell you that the officer had no clue who the victim was, didn't have a name, didn't have a photo. All the officer knew was that she was, he thought, 26 years old, she was 23, and female. That's all he had. He wasn't even at the scene. And yet somehow this is a result of xenophobia? The Consulate General of India in San Francisco, for some reason, they reached out to him. Someone reached out to him. Say, hey, we learned that the victim was Indian. What say you? What would happen if you found out the the victim was just your average white person? Who who would you reach out to? President President Biden, please give us a statement on this. Tell us, how are you feeling? How should all people feel who share the identity? Just really weird. And the consulate general, according, I think this was uh, King 5, said that they're all deeply troubled. They find it deeply troubling. What do they find deeply troubling? They say the handling of this case is deeply troubling. What's deeply troubling? It's in the hands of the prosecutor. So please explain to me what is deeply troubling. Who, Who are you troubled by? Not the cops. The handling, they're done. They did their investigation. But what really upset me today, and God bless you, Elon, your Twitter algorithm is the worst because the people I hate the most who bother me the most, you're now putting that on my feed. Pramila Jayapal, Seattle Congresswoman, a truly rotten human being. She is a bad person. And while I think that about a lot of people, I generally don't say that about a lot of people. But I proudly say this because she is a rotten person who is actively trying to tear people apart, not bring people together. She doesn't benefit from that. 
There are some politicians that I completely disagree with on most stuff, but I would never say that about them. Rick Larson is a perfect example. Congressman based out of Everett, very much a Democrat. I disagree with him nine times out of ten. But I would never say he's actively trying to tear people apart. Pramila Jayapal, no, she is. That's exactly what she's doing. And she tweeted out today, Janavi Kandula, the victim, was killed by a speeding police car. Then police officers joked about her death and devalued her life. I'm sick to my stomach. This is exactly what happens when we normalize xenophobia and racism. It needs to stop. What needs to stop? You monster. Your tweets need to stop. She's not sick to her stomach. She doesn't give a damn about this girl. You know how I know that? Because I went back and I checked her account, both of her accounts. She's got a personal one and a congressional one. She has not mentioned the name of the victim one time until today. And it just so happened she did it at a time where this story went national and international because she doesn't care about the victim. She cares about tying her name to a story so maybe it gets picked up in some report that will then portray her as caring about the victim. If you cared about the victim, Pramila, you would have talked about this nine months ago when it happened, but you chose not to. Why is that? And God forbid anyone ask her that question. You think a single media outlet who's looking at this tweet saying, oh, maybe we should get her on camera. You think they're going to ask her, hey, by the way, where have you been for the last nine months? Why haven't you spoken about this? We're curious, asking for a friend who's a KTTH host in afternoons. And I know members of the media listen to this show. You tell me. You steal my work. Take, take this question. Ask her. Stop being so cowardly. Ask her that question. She wants to get her name in a newspaper, on a television report, in a radio report. And so she's talking about something she doesn't understand. She has no clue what it is. She's not sick. She's not sick to her stomach. She's actually just sick. She is sick. Not to her stomach. She's just a sick human being. Because she's trying to turn a tragic accident into a story about racism. So that her Antifa radical base, those thugs, will go ahead and riot again. You were silent this entire time. Shame on you. This absolutely, you have no shame. Meanwhile, you've got this poor cop who's going through hell right now. Oh, but we don't show sympathy to him because he's evil. ACAB, am I right? These losers who have no direction in their life finally have something that they can pretend to be angry about so they can do something. They can get out of the mother-in-law basement house that they're spending all their time in. Carpool from Kirkland to get over to Seattle. Other than that, I'm having a great day, and all is well. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text. Don't forget, every single Thursday we post a weekly video update brought to you by your local tax expert and advocate Greg Nunn and None Better Tax Resolution. Video is up right now about whether or not Seattle lawmakers and Portland lawmakers will do anything on the drug crisis. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. Welcome back to the Jason Rance show on this Thursday afternoon. Hunter Biden earlier today was indicted on federal gun charges. This coming out of the special counsel investigation, David Weiss out of 
Delaware. Joining us on the line to help understand it all is a lawyer, but also senior editor at large and host of the Josh Hammer Show with Newsweek. Welcome back to the show. Jason, it's always a pleasure. Take us through, if you can, just very quickly, what are the three charges? Sure. So it's a fairly straightforward three counts indictments here. They all pertain to the same fact pattern, which is that Hunter Biden knowingly lied. So anyone who's ever purchased a gun before knows that you have to fill out a form. It's a, it's a form that every FFL, federally licensed firearms dealer, has, has to give out to everyone purchasing a gun pursuant to relevant regulations at ATF, the federal agency. And part of this is you are not allowed to lie and say that you are actually using drugs. So everyone who fills out this form, whether or not they actually read the language, has to attest that they are not currently an unlawful user of or addicted to any stimulants, narcotic, controlled substance, and so forth. And Jason, we happen to know because of Hunter Biden's, frankly, just his idiocy and the fact that this laptop got out there and we saw the fact that he had all these drug habits and he was a crack addict and all this. So we, so we know for a fact, fairly undisputably, I would say, that he lied book. when he filled out this form. He literally put, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's very out there. I mean, he's not like, it's truly not disputed here, and and he lied. He wrote on this form that he was not using these drugs, but we know that he was. So the three counts all pertain to that. Count one uh, just says, uh, you know, the crimes don't make a false statement to the federal government on this form. The second count is very similar to the first count. Um, it's relating to the same sworn statement. It's a slightly different code, but it's basically the same thing. Count three is the only one that's Slightly different here, it, it, it involves kind of shipping a gun in interstate commerce while you are a, a drug addict. That's the most interesting count, Jason, because the, the court that I actually previously clerked on, the, the Fifth Circuit down in Texas, Louisiana, they actually ruled on the constitutionality of that specific provision, Like I think it was earlier this year, actually, and they held it unconstitutional. So that, that's the most interesting one, but the first two counts are very, very straightforward stuff. Now, tell me if I'm crazy here, because um, my read of this, as, as much as I want to be the glass half full guy, he David Weiss got caught with the sweetheart deal. He clearly didn't go as hard after Hunter as he should have. He's now doing this to maybe save face. But all this does is is prove that he's not acting in the best interest of his position, because this is, a, as, as you point out, straightforward. Why would it take five years for charges? I wish I had an answer to that, and I wish I had an answer to why he tried to not to not prosecute Hunter Biden because of this deferred agreement. I mean, this is part of the whole plea deal that went awry back in July, was they basically tried to get Hunter off of these gun charges if he would only plead guilty to tax charges, for which he was probably unlikely to serve prison in the first instance. The whole thing, Jason, frankly, stinks soup to nuts. I mean, top to bottom here. Because the facts are just not in dispute. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, like, it's very hard to envision anything other but the most outrageously partisan, you know, MSNBC 24-7 watching, the most outrageously left-wing jury. It's hard to see any other jury than that not finding guilt here, at least on the first two of these three counts, because the facts, like we just discussed, are so clearly not in dispute. So I have no answer, frankly. It does feel like a hand got caught in the cookie jar kind of thing. The other thing that I think is, is interesting and worth noting is this is one of the only things that Hunter Biden is currently under investigation for that does not implicate his father mm-hmm. in any way whatsoever. So, so you kind of have to wonder, and this is where my mind starts to go, 
you kind of have to wonder whether the big guy, Joe, and his addle-brained crack addict son, Hunter, might have had some kind of serious heart-to-heart and, and where kind of the Don Corleone in the family, Joe Biden, basically says, son, you be the fall guy here. Let me try to establish my presidency and get a second term. That, that's kind of where my mind went. But I, I, I hopefully we'll find out more soon if this investigation continues. But like you said, Jason, it's hard to have any confidence in David Weiss at this point. Well, yeah, and the funny thing is you mentioned MSNBC reaction. It's funny because I'm looking at a Brianna Keeler clip in which she's saying, why pursue it? Why, why are they pursuing this kind of char- charges at all? It's just it's so ridiculous from not just the network, but from Democrats who claim they want stricter gun control laws. We have to get guns off the street. We have to make sure that the bad guys who, who shouldn't get guns shouldn't get don't actually get guns and now all of a sudden like why would they even charge this why would they even go after him right exactly i i mean that's the irony of all irony so hunter biden's defense lawyers here what they're what they're probably going to have to do is they're going to have to make a very strong second amendment constitutional claim ironically which would essentially argue that these counts are or that these underlying criminal statutes i should say are unconstitutional because Someone who maybe just casually uses crack or fentanyl, and you know he actually has a Second Amendment right to have a gun. And you know, look, if if you are like a gun rights absolutist, if you're the kind of guy who's storing up in in, in your basement, you own hundreds of guns. If, if this is like your thing, then go ahead. But the the irony cannot be forgiven. The irony cannot be missed here of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, kind of by implication having to make this Second Amendment absolutist claim. And really, it would only pertain to that third count, Jason. That's kind of the key part as mm-hmm. well here. That third count is, is, is the one that, that the Fifth Circuit recently held unconstitutional about interstate commerce trafficking. But the first two counts, I mean, they just say that you are not allowed to lie in a federal form. And no matter whether, I mean, regardless of whether it's unconstitutional to say that someone cannot purchase a firearm if he is an occasional user of drugs, holding that entirely aside, you still lie to the government. So it's not clear to me how he can get out of those, to be honest with you. Part of me wants this to go all the way and have everything declared unconstitutional because we have more gun rights than Biden would prefer us to have and have it be Hunter Biden who establishes that. There would be some beautiful bit of irony there. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, it's funny. I mean, if you kind of go back to Supreme Court cases, every so often you do get kind of an ironic or amusing fact pattern. And sometimes it, it is these fact patterns that lead to the landmark cases that, you know, law students read throughout their their years here. I, I'm kind of dumbfounded as to what his lawyers could possibly argue on the first two counts, though, because it's just I mean, it's clear as day. I mean, the man was public about the fact that he was using drugs. It was undeniable that the ATF FFL form makes you attest that you are not doing so. So I, 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 I'm just not sure how he gets out of this one, to be honest with you. And that clearly is why David Weiss, by the way, that clearly is why they tried to get out of it for him with this plea deal that went belly up mm-hmm. earlier this summer. I mean, well, I, he can I, still get a plea deal. So straightforward. Right. I mean, he can still get a plea deal. I, I don't know if I believe that that's likely after the, the last time this all went in front of a judge, but he can get a plea deal or to the point uh, you implied earlier, this is he's not going to jail for this. This is going to be nothing with, with him. He, he just isn't. And, and no one should make that assumption that because he's guilty here and it seems obvious uh, he's not going to go to jail. And so now they can say, see, we charge him with something. He was even found guilty. He's got 12 hours of community service. We can call this a day. 
You're probably right. I mean, look, it's one of those two-tier situations, right, where if his last name was anything other than Biden, this, this is pretty straightforward stuff. I mean, at a bare minimum, you know, facing potentially 25 years maximum sentence for these yeah, three counts, at a bare minimum, anyone else facing this who didn't have the last name Biden would, would, would probably face at least a few years in the slammer. So, I mean, maybe he'll get off Biden with, like, a few months of community service. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, I mean, but here's the thing, Jason. If that actually does happen, just given the sheer discrepancy between, let's call it again, six, eight months, doesn't really matter, community service versus 25 years maximum sense, even if they somehow get off the mat and even if a more liberal-leaning, sympathetic judge manages to approve that plea deal, then from my perspective, that'll just be the regime kind of exposing itself for what mm-hmm. it is, which is it, it, it's just laying bare for everyone to see what conservatives have been decrying for years and years, ever since James, James Comey and Hillary Clinton, the State Department emails, the server, all of that, which is that this system fundamentally is just rigged top to bottom, and it systemically favors the Biden family, the ruling class, and all of their myriad allies. So I, I would kind of almost dare prosecutors and the judge to kind of let we the people see that and and just see how much it stinks. But I guess for now, yeah. for now, I mean, let's not be too pessimistic. For now, it's worth celebrating yeah. at least a modicum of justice in the time. One hundred percent on that. I'm with you. One hundred percent on that. We've been talking with Josh Hammer, host of the Josh Hammer Show. He'll actually be filling in for me in a little over a week when I'm out in New York for my book tour. I always appreciate that, Josh. Thank you so much for stopping by. Always a pleasure, my friend. You're listening to the Jason Ranch Show.